Hello, everyone. We are going to try this connection. Um, so bear with me. Um, but uh, if you were watching on our other connection and had to switch over and you're confused, I apologize. Uh, but let me start by saying good afternoon. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and this is supposed to be Restore Freedom Week episode number 40. And uh, we'll see if we're able to get people over here. Uh, we had a different streaming, um, a different streaming uh, um, software, I guess you could say, that we had been using for the last month. And uh, we are hoping to continue to use that, but it must use just a little bit more data than uh, StreamYard does, which is uh, the one we had been using before. So uh, hi, Corley on Facebook. Uh, so at any rate, I apologize um, to those of you who um, are, um, let's see, I'm just, I'm going to send a message um, uh, um, to our special guest that we were going to have today because he had all the information set up for uh, a different um a different thing. So, uh, Lori, I don't know if you can hear me, if you're able to send that, uh, that message to Ryan with the invite link, I'm trying to do it here and it's, it's, uh, it's having issues big time. So. I, I did send him the stream yard link. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay. Cause I'm trying to multitask. I, that. I did text him that we were having issues and that I'd be sending him a new link. So hopefully he sees that. Okay. So hopefully we will see our special guest here in just a minute. But uh, again, uh, I wanted to say um, hello. Thank you for those of you who are joining us. Uh, and I'm sorry that we'll have to do this as a replay instead of a live for those platforms that were uh, initially set up to do a live and where we started to go live, like LinkedIn, Twitch, uh, DLive, Rumble, think those are the only ones, but uh, at any rate, so I'm sorry uh, that we were not able to continue doing it live on those platforms today, but we will restream this later for you. Uh, so you're able to at least get the information that was important enough for us to cover and finish covering in this episode today. And for those of you who are listening via podcast, well, that's always a recording that's uploaded at this point. So it'll sound a little unnecessarily bumpy be on your side uh, as we're getting the live stream video portion going, but we thank you for joining us on there as well. So again, I'm constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry, and this is your 40th week of Restore Freedom Weekly. We thank you for tuning in and joining us. Uh, we are live to you now on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and we'll restream, like I said, on our other platforms later that we have been uh, live streaming on. And hopefully in just a moment here, we will have our special guest that uh, is going to help us sort through this very important topic, but I might as well go ahead and tell you what it is for for those of you that missed last week's episode, we were covering um, the uh, re reproductive freedom petition. Uh, what does it really say? Does it violate the U.S. Constitution? And we specifically were talking about, uh, like I said, that reproductive freedom for all is what they're calling it. It's a petition to amend the Michigan Constitution. And uh, let's see. Okay, so it sounds like we're a little laggy on Facebook. Um, 
but uh, okay. And whoever's texting me is not an emergency. It's not our special guest or my husband uh, with some sort of report on technological things here. But at any rate, um, so we were talking about that reproductive freedom for all petition in Michigan. Uh, it's a petition to amend the Michigan state constitution. This is not a petition just to change some laws. Uh, and yes, I did say Michigan constitution. So if you're in another state, you might not be as concerned about it, but let's be real about it. If there's something as big as the ability to, well, to do any of the things that are contained in this petition, and it's somehow makes it through and it is voted on and uh, has changes made to the Michigan constitution, you don't think that's going to have a huge impact on all Americans all across the U.S.? It absolutely will. It's going to be the catalyst for other states doing things in their own um, in their own laws and their own constitutions. It's going to be, of course, the source of some new uh, Supreme Court cases going up to the U.S. Supreme Court. But it's also going to be uh, an issue for. Um, other states where they're going to lose their um, families in those states are going to lose the freedoms that they already have that were given to them by God because people will be flocking to Michigan to uh, take advantage of these insane things that are part of this um, uh, amendment. So, uh, Gail on Facebook, I'm not sure. Um, I can't click on a, on a Facebook watch link while I'm in the video here, but perhaps if there's something, um, I'm not sure what you're sending with the Facebook link. So I'm not sure if it's something connected to what we're doing here today, or if that was an oops or what, but if you want to tell us a little bit more, I can, uh, address that or we can go forward with that comment. Um, but anyway, so thank you to those of you who were able to find us and jump on over to our new stream that we have. Uh, hopefully, like I said, our special guest will be joining us soon. He was uh, going to join us a few minutes ago, but with all the technical difficulties, uh, we'll see if he's able to join. And for those of you who are not aware as to why I'm having such ridiculous difficulties uh, this week and last week, uh, we now live in Florida and we live in Volusia County. So I know Fort Myers and some of those areas are getting, you know, the keys and whatever. They're getting a lot of the attention, so to speak, in the in the mainstream media. And that's where they're talking about the flooding and power being out and, of course, Internet being out and things like that. But uh, what they're not likely telling you is that Volusia County, specifically Ormond Beach, just north of Daytona Beach, the world's most famous beach, uh, that's where we are. And it is um, an area that's essentially where we are in Volusia County is essentially an area that although it's beachside, it has essentially been protected for the most part from the, the brunt of hurricanes for the last 100 years uh, or more. That this area just really doesn't see the kind of, of storm damage and um, intensity that the other areas of the state south of us on the Atlantic side, uh, even north in Jacksonville or on the Gulf. They tend to get a lot more significant issues arising from hurricanes. Uh, but what's worse is that the predictions weren't even showing that the hurricane was supposed to cross right over our house. Uh, none of the predictions were showing that, even as the storm was already progressing. So uh, we were definitely 
right in the midst of it, we, uh, as it sat over Central Florida in the Orlando, Kissimmee area, we were already, of course, getting inundated with that rain and, and the hurricane force winds and everything else that goes along with that. And then even as it technically left Florida and it was sitting in the ocean, it sat there right outside of Daytona Beach, kicking up and churning up more and more wind and rain and, and energy into the the thing. And uh, it was pretty devastating for a lot of Volusia County. A lot of parts here were flooded and are flooded. Uh, a lot of parts are still without power. In fact, uh, the Florida Power and Light, um, the main uh, energy organization down here in Michigan, it was DTE and Consumers Energy. But anyway, FPL down here, they still have Volusia County as one of the two or three counties that are going to be um, slow to returning full uh, restoration of, of power to customers. And as part of that, the reason why I bore you with all those details is because we don't have internet yet. So as of late Sunday night, we finally got power back and that was a blessing because our generator kept turning off repeatedly and uh, Mike was due to go back to work Monday morning and I have no idea how to fix the generator when it turns off, uh, even to turn it on. I can't quite pull that uh, and get that going uh, well enough. But um, although we have power, I've been working off my my hotspot, which gives me the opportunity to show off the very fabulous Restore Freedom, uh, More Freedom, Less Government pop sockets that are available on our website for a very low fee. Uh, that's just our out-of-pocket costs. But uh, in all seriousness, though, I'm literally running this entire episode and my entire computer and all the work I've been doing since the hurricane on my hotspot from my phone. So um, it, I appreciate you guys bearing with me and understanding why we're having uh, issue after issue. And this is the same reason, of course, we were literally in the midst of the worst of this hurricane last Thursday when I was supposed to go live with our constitution segment recap. Uh, so of course that didn't happen and without power and without internet and without much of anything, uh, I couldn't even do a pre-recording and try to get that uploaded to you guys. And of course, then we were dealing with water coming in our windows and doors and uh, stuff flying around. And it was, you know, like the Wizard of Oz out there, neighbor sheds completely torn down, fences gone. We're seeing all of our neighbor's roofs, you know, flying up in the storm and, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. So at any rate, I don't have internet right now. I'm going to do my best to make this the best episode that it can be, uh, barring our, uh, you know, technical difficulties here, because it's important. And this topic is so important to finish out. I was actually going to do several smaller constitution segment recaps last week, uh, because there's so many issues within this petition that we need to talk about. And, uh, that we did talk about in the full episode on Tuesday, but I know it was just a ton of information I was throwing at you. So I wanted to give you some uh, several smaller bite-sized portions of the Constitution provisions involved so you can really understand it, replay them, listen to them, share them a little bit easier. And with any luck, I'll be able to do that this week for the Constitution segment recap, but no promises because we're not even scheduled to have internet before Thursday here. So um but if you guys want to talk to Spectrum Internet and see if we can uh, get the ball rolling in Volusia County a little bit faster, that'd be awesome. So uh, first of all, big shout out to the crew of 20 workers that we had here on uh, Saturday and Sunday that worked all day long, both days, um, to get our power back up and running and get that insanely large cement 
uh, power pole uh, out of the middle of our street and um, install a new one and hopefully bury it a little bit deeper than the prior one was buried so that when the next hurricane comes, it's not going to blow over the same way because that could have killed someone. So anyway, shout out to all of those guys who are in all chances, probably never going to watch this, but uh, I appreciate all of you anyway. So, um, all right. So I guess we got YouTube going. My husband is commenting on there. The, at least, oh yeah, that's my husband. Okay. I know there's a few Mike Henry's that we're connected with on social media. So then I thought maybe that one's not it, but he's got a picture of my son playing the guitar as his profile pic. So I'm pretty sure that guy's mine. Um, Okay, so thank you for all the prayers, by the way, of all of you who have been um, praying for us and supporting us and reaching out, uh, trying to reach out if I can get back to you. I do really appreciate that. And I, again, I apologize that we have all these technological hiccups that makes it so we can't quite um, have as smooth of an episode as I would like, but maybe episode 41 is going to be it. That's going to be where everything starts falling into place. So uh, we don't have our guest. I'm not sure if he's coming on or not, but I'm just going to go ahead and get started. So uh, basically what I want to do is I told you what our topic was last week. Um, again, we're talking about what that petition uh, said. Um, what does it mean for women, men, children, families? What does it mean uh, for society? What does it mean for uh, the context of uh, the rest of the Constitution? Good. It sounds like our lag and our blurriness is gone, so that's good to hear. Um, and uh, I wanted to give you the facts before you go to the polls on November 3rd if you live in Michigan, but I also wanted to give you the facts because if you're in another state, First of all, you need to really be paying attention to these petitions. The one thing I did not stress enough, actually, I'm not even sure that I mentioned it last week, that we need to make sure we're doing, is we need to stress that no matter what state you're in, it's likely that when you have a petition that is going to be on your ballot, uh, at this point, it would probably be the November ballot. Oh, we have we have our special guest. I'm going to pause on that note and bring him in. Oh, my gosh, just get his facial here. I can't beard. recognize you. Got the whole beard going. <laughs> wow. Right, we got the link this time. We're good to go. Catherine, good to see you. How are you doing today? Uh, well, you know, don't have internet yet after Hurricane Ian decided to uh, ravage our community and, and tear out our power and internet and all that. But hey, I got Wi-Fi hotspot that's working and isn't StreamYard's apparently able to handle it much better than Melon. So. All right. Yeah. I don't know what was going on with that and took a second getting in here, obviously. But uh, aside from the technical difficulties, we made it in. So I'm glad to be here again with you. Yes. Yes. And uh, I appreciate you joining us. Um, so I was just telling people that this is a follow up uh, part two, essentially, to our uh, topic that we started last week. Last week, we were going into that reproductive freedom for all petition in the state of Michigan and talking about what it really says, uh, whether it violates the Constitution, what it means for women, families, children, uh, men, um, the, how does it fit into the rest of the Michigan Constitution? How does it fit into the U.S. Constitution? Those are the topics we went over last week, and it was quite a full episode. But um, what I wanted to do this week was go over uh, a lot of the questions that came up during, before, and after that episode. And um, also kind of focus on some things that I'll be honest, I didn't even catch in my first several reads of this petition. 
and it's not a very long petition. The petition wording itself that the new amendment portion is um, small enough that it would, yeah, exactly. It fits on one sheet of paper. So uh, it's very doable for anybody to read it, which is why last week we had our way to get involved uh, challenge on Wednesday that was to read uh, the official summary and also the um, official language of the petition. Uh, and, and Ryan, I don't know. Well, first of all, let me formally uh, introduce those of you who might not um, know who Ryan is. Uh, you've probably been living under a rock because he made it to national news uh, very recently. But anyway, this is my dear friend, Ryan Kelly, who was one of the Republican um, candidates for governor in the August primary race in Michigan. And unfortunately, something happened there. I don't really believe that Ryan didn't win, but anyway, it is what it is. And uh, so he is here joining us today because he's not one of those guys that lost that race and said, well, shucks darn, I guess that's it for me. Uh, no, this dude's not in it for the politics side of things. That's what politicians do. This guy, Ryan Kelly, is the guy who uh, has been fighting on the front lines with me since the day I met him. I literally met him uh, as part of our first official in-person rally that Michigan ever had in the state of, uh, in the state of Michigan at the, at the steps of the Capitol, fighting against those governor executive orders shutting down our state. So this guy's been going nonstop just like me ever since. And uh, so just because he's not going to be Michigan's next governor, uh, by the way, it's still time for you to move down to Florida and work on governorship for the next election anyway. But uh, <laughs> so, Sounds um, very tempting as well, Catherine. <laughs> even with a hurricane, I'm still taking hey, Florida yeah, over Michigan. Yeah, you know, yeah, the hurricane's been, been devastating, obviously, but uh, it, it comes with the turf in Florida, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, so Ryan is uh, now I, I can't quite keep up on all the different organizations and things that my dear friends are starting and campaigns that are running. But what is the do you have one organization that has been um, taking a, a lead on fighting against Proposal 3? And if so, what is the official name of that organization? Yeah, great. <clears throat> great. Thank you for the intro, Catherine. Uh, yeah, we've been on the front lines for, for several years now, and the fight continues, and we're actually doing very well in this fight, I believe. Uh, the leftist narrative, just in general, um, is uh, turning off a lot of people. I saw something today, and I'll get right back on topic here in just a second, but I saw something today that I believe it was out of... Uh, gosh, Massachusetts or Vermont or something like that, irrelevant where it happened because the story is so big, but there was girls that refused to change with men in the girls' locker room and the high school banned the girls from the girls' locker room for not wanting to change with a trans biological man. And so, you know, that's the world that we're living in right now. And so, you know, I think the fight that you and I and many others have been going uh, very hard at for a long time is, is really starting to pick up momentum and expose a lot of this nonsense from the left. So after the primary, yes, I, I didn't give up. You know, the fight still continues. And this proposal two and three, which are, as you know, extremely radical for our state and our country, uh, was something that I felt led through prayer to say, hey, let me fight against those. And there's many other organizations that especially are going after proposal three. Uh, you know, I know, you know, Right to Life and a few other ones, uh, lots of people are putting together literature for that. Unfortunately, a lot less are making their focus proposal two, which I believe 
personally that in the long run, proposal two is much more dangerous than proposal three. Um, but my ballot question committee that I formed is Unborn Equity and Voting Integrity. We formed a ballot question committee that way we could officially oppose the, the, the proposal two and three and provide information and actually tell people to vote no on that. So uh, that's what I've been doing since the, uh, since the election. There's many other opportunities that I've been presented with. I don't know where we go from here exactly, but defeating these proposals, these measures that would change our constitution. And you're, you know, I hate using the word expert anymore these days, but you are very, very knowledgeable and you know the constitution very well. So this is right up your alley, right? Um, and and yeah, I mean, this, this is the most important thing with the November election in Michigan is these proposals, more so than the actual races themselves. So as you could see, everyone, that's why I brought Ryan on, because he obviously was uh, aware of these petitions being circulated in Michigan as he was concurrently running for governor uh, for the state of Michigan. And uh, now that uh, that primary race is over and there's uh, two other candidates for the Republican Democrat side that are into the November election, he's putting all of his resources into fighting some of these ballot measures. And actually, Ryan, I do intend to talk about um, uh, proposals one and two in um, some following episodes here. Uh, so we may be tapping into for that. But uh, this week, you know, it's such a big topic uh, by itself, proposal three, that I could probably fill, you know, eight episodes all about it, quite frankly. But we wanted to kind of go over some things. But what I found interesting, uh, I'll, I'll admit that one of your, um, you know, especially with our Internet being down, but um, uh, as also a time issue, I don't often have a chance to really see what all my friends or even other, you know, uh, others in the media are putting out as far as information or pamphlets or whatever. So, uh, I, but I just very recently happened to come across one of your um, flyers, if you will, about proposal three. And I wanted to talk to you about one aspect. There were two main things you were brought up in this particular one. Uh, but the other one was one that I hadn't even thought of. And I'm going to kind of jump to that for those of you who are watching. The conversation will kind of ebb and flow a little bit uh, as we're dealing with um, Ryan's availability as well as, you know, just general technological things that we might be dealing with here. But one of the things uh, is, and I kind of, I broke all these down in the description of the video and in the preview I talked about yesterday. But so we have, um, I'll just kind of briefly say, what does this petition do? Well, it violates the constitution the U.S. Constitution, which it can't do. No part of a state constitution can violate the U.S. Constitution and mean anything. It's void on its face. But at any rate, um, we still need to fight it. But some of the things, aside from its general unconstitutionality that we talked about last week, this allows abortion on demand. Now, let's keep this real, and we're going to go into more detail. It actually allows for um, abortion of babies that are um, viable, and not viable, if you're reading the language here, as well as, and this is a part, this is one of the two pieces I didn't even catch until I was preparing again for this episode, but you can technically have, it's, it's saying that there's a right to abort or murder a born child because they're focusing on this postpartum care. I'm putting in air quotes for those who are listening on podcasts, uh, but it, you, I, I don't know how that's just not plain murder. I mean, it's not abortion, but that's what they're calling it. Postpartum care 
is what they're calling it. And if they decide they don't want to be a parent, essentially, I guess, um, they are putting in here that you can do whatever you want with your baby because it's all part of postpartum care and you have the right to not have it regulated at all in any way unless it's strictly for the safety of the person receiving the care, which they're calling then that'd be the mother. The individual. Um, yeah. Yeah, because they gotta can't be inclusive, say right? Got to be inclusive, individual, pregnant individual. Can of worms. <laughs> because I think that was Arnold Schwarzenegger that made it happen for men, you know, twenty years ago in that movie, Junior, whatever Junior. it was. Junior, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's where it all started. The Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna blame him. Yeah, um, but uh, so it also prohibits, and we'll talk about this more later. It prohibits licensing and regulation of any kind for abortion procedures, sterilization, sex changes, infertility care, et cetera. Again, we'll go over that a little bit more. Uh, it prohibits you from protecting your children from having sterilization or sex change procedures, from protecting them from getting contraceptives at any age, abortions at any age, or even you can't protect them from having sex with pedophiles, your children. Okay. But here's uh, there's two more pieces to this. Uh, one, I'm going to skip skip to the, this is the end one, right? This is the one that I focused on last week a little bit. But all of the things that we're talking about are not only things that are they're saying are, we have a, you know, there's this right to do all these horrible things, but they're setting it up so that the state has to pay for all of it. We talked about that a little bit last week. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But the last piece that actually would be second to last, if you're thinking about it, like logistically, is that this amendment allows parents to abandon their children. So I think, Ryan, I uh, heard a little clip or saw it in writing from you at any rate, something about basically you were talking about if, if a guy finds out his his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or one night stand or whatever wife is pregnant and he decides he does not want a child and he does not want to parent that child then he can actually walk away he could say no nope, you can't get me for child support no nope, you can't make me have anything to do with this kid i'm legally i'm not responsible so essentially it's creating a situation where children will have no legal father uh at all and uh, I mean, there's just, a, I've done family law for many, many, many years in two different states. And there's a, there's a lot of problems just rolled into that. But Ryan, I got to thank you because I, whether you're the only person out there talking about that aspect or not, it, that part didn't click for me until I saw it come from you. Um, do you have anything about that piece that you wanted to, I don't know, share about sure. that, you know, parents can just walk away from their kids? I've been trying my hardest, Catherine, to get uh, news sites to actually cover this and actually answer, ask the questions. That's what I would like to see is these types of questions be asked because, as you mentioned, it fits on one page. And, you know, the, the two components to that is, you know, it states that every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, right? A fundamental right, every individual. And then it it goes on to say, I give the exact wording, which entails 
the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, all matters relating to pregnancy. And every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, including but not limited to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care. So let's talk about the abortion care part because I'm going to come right back to that. It says in number two, the state shall not discriminate in the protection or enforcement of this fundamental right. So here's the question I would love to have, and I have challenged the authors of Reproductive Freedom for All to a live on TV debate. They will not take me up on it. But when a man gets a woman pregnant and the woman says, I'm getting an abortion, and he says, I can prove that that's my baby by a test, and there's no way you're gonna abort my baby. And I have the fundamental right as an individual to reproductive freedom to make all decisions related to pregnancy. And that would include, so, and, and so where, who wins? Who wins? Because Actually, Ryan, this is, the, discriminate. this is the one part of, of this that I, I don't agree with your take on. Now, first of all, I don't think it's something uh, that you did wrong in reading it because this is for many reasons, one of the crappiest worded petitions that I've ever seen go through to a ballot. But at any rate, um, because if you look at all the pieces together, they're talking about um, like in section two. Um, well, okay. So it's part of section one, an individual's right to reproductive freedom shall not be uh, denied, burdened, uh, nor infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest achieved by the least restrictive means. And that's a lot of garbledy gook that came from case precedent. But um, then it goes on. And in section four, it's giving you definitions. Now, this this horrible amendment only defines two terms in the whole thing. But one of them is a state interest. And they're saying a state interest is compelling only if it is for the limited purpose of protecting the health of an individual seeking care consistent with accepted clinical practice, blah, 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 blah. That individual seeking care, and they're calling abortion care as care. Um, and then you look at section three, that the state, nor shall the state penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual in exercising their right. So even though it's supposedly reproductive freedom for all, the continued language here, um, I think you'd have the Democrats jumping up and down and screaming, ah, ha, ha, you can't have a father taking a mother to court to stop the um, an abortion from taking place because you cannot get in the way of a woman uh, receiving this care. And in fact, the courts cannot act. Uh, this, you can't have um, a, a statute or a court rule that allows uh, a court case to be even filed in this situation um, because you, it's really only the individual seeking care. It's a bunch of BS. But that's what it's hanging on, is that the only way the state can get involved in a court case or in any kind of other way, uh, that would be, you know, putting a damper on the, the rights for abortion is if it's a compelling state interest tied to the individual seeking the care. So I'm not sure if you thought about it that way, Ryan, but what would your thoughts be anyway on, on that side of it? What if the guy is seeking care 
and he can prove that it's his baby. Well, but it's the between that and then the part above it that's talking about the pregnant individual that they're talking about. Um, so let's say you're in that scenario where um, you have um, a pregnant girl and uh, the guy knows about it and the guy's like, oh, I'd, I'd rather raise this baby. You're not aborting this baby. Um, the girl goes, makes her appointment at the abortion clinic and the guy says, nope, I'm going to file this case and you're going to stop this from happening. A court order stopping a, um, a person from assisting in that would be prohibited from section three because the state cannot penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual. They can't say you can't take this patient or you can't take this client on because this part right here. So again, yeah. I think they snuck things in to try to, I don't know, make it convoluted and not oh, very yeah, they, Absolutely they did. And, and we both know where it would end up. It would end up with them siding with, uh, with the woman, the actual person that can actually get pregnant um, and, and that's where it would, it would fall in every case. And so, yeah, not every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom then at that point. Uh, and neither does the person that's being reproduced. Right. You know, and that's the thing I've tried not to give much play to the whole reproductive freedom for all, because the and you know how it works too, Catherine, the left loves to put these, you know, promote the vote, reproductive freedom for all, right. They can come up with a new bill called, you know, sunshine and 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 blue skies and then it's all about thunderstorms and and moonlight right and so yep. that that's the way that they operate so you know yeah i agree it, it's really messy with all this stuff and it it definitely infringes upon the fact of every individual having a fundamental right to reproductive freedom and then i mean how messy do you want to get that you can uh it, you know, the whole trans thing and, and the way people identify. And I mean, it can get super, super messy with all this stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I know where it would end up and it would end up with with the women getting abortions whenever they wanted to in court cases would go nowhere. Um, but for the um, for the purpose of, of some of our time here, let's get back to your other point that you mentioned a minute ago uh, relating to all matters regarding postpartum care. Because uh, that's the other one that I've been trying to get the news media to cover to ask the question. Uh, what does that look like? Because that's one of the decisions of postpartum care, actually being the father to the baby. And if you have reproductive freedom for every individual, the father can say, I'm not paying anything. I don't want to have anything to do with that baby. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're all on your own. But I feel like that, that the state would almost like to see that. Look what they did to the black communities back in the 1950s and 60s. You know, there was more black couples that were married during slavery than there are now. And and so the state creates, you know, the, the single mother welfare state, right? That that destruction of the nuclear family. And that's exactly what this does. You know, I think men need to to step up and, and own the situations, you know, 100 percent. But we're not talking about my feelings. We're talking about what this actually says and what this actually creates. Uh, and it absolutely creates a, an environment where a man can say, hey, that's a decision of postpartum care. Nothing to do with it. Sorry. And then, you know, to go back to the fact of the state shall not discriminate in the protection or the enforcement of this fundamental right. Uh, when 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 this stuff starts happening, you know, what do they say? What do they do? Where's that money come from? 
and, and it just is going to increase the amount of abortions that happen because women are, you know, whether it's a, a mental health issue or something like that, they're not going to be able to financially support the baby. They're not going to be able to X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And then they're going to have abortions. And then, you know, if something like this passes, you know, an additional uh, generation of, of, uh, of Americans will be aborted, just like we've already had since Roe versus Wade in the 1970s. We, we've, we've aborted over 65 million, which is an entire generation. That's an entire generation of people exterminated. Uh, and Michigan would become the most extreme abortion and loss of parental rights, like you talked about, Catherine. This is the big thing here, is this, this makes it so, this is a human trafficker's dream. Because as they're trafficking these minors and they're raping these young girls, uh, and there's no accountability, right? They don't have to, there, there's nothing to report. There's no, you know, it's just, it's all slid under the table. And the argument I hear from people online, cause I'm brutal online with just the truth, you know, oh, you just want, you know, to make 11 year olds have babies. And, and it's like, well, hold on a second here. Um, we're giving a free pass to those that are, that are raping and abusing those 11 year olds. If we pass something like this, because now there's no consent needed anywhere. It's just a, a process that you go through is where, you know, if an 11 year old's pregnant, it's not because she's probably have, has a boyfriend somewhere and they're this, that, and the other. It's because there's, you know, some uncle or a grandfather or somebody that's trafficking her that's continuously abusing her. And that person should come to justice and be removed from society. Uh, and this law will just make it so that there's zero accountability on that end. Right. It's worse than than not having a law that addresses the problem because it's saying any laws that currently might address the problem are stricken from the books. Because if a guy does, you know, if he uh, rapes a, a young child and she becomes pregnant, he then has all these rights under this stupid petition. It's insane. And it literally specifically says that, you know, especially if he's bringing her in to get abortion care or whatever they're calling it. It says you cannot get in the way or, or you know, bring any kind of adverse action, prosecution or anything on someone on matters related to pregnancy. And it's like, you know, I've raised four kids. You have, is it five now? Six. Oh, I can't. I, is, it, is Tommy the youngest? He is, You've, yeah. It's all good. I can't hardly keep up either. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, at least I keep track of how many I have. I usually do anyway. But uh, <laughs> now the names. If you're a parent of multiple children, you will screw those names up. You know, start calling them the dog's name, your husband's name. It just happens. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, we're already in a scary enough situation. But yet you mentioned trafficking. That's exactly what this does, because I just want people to really realize this. Even if you're pro-choice. This literally is saying, okay, if your child at any age, if you have an eight-year-old that wants to walk into this clinic, which is not going to be licensed or regulated in any way, it cannot be licensed or regulated in any way, they go into this clinic and they uh, say, you know, oh, I, I don't ever, I've decided I don't want kids myself because I've got three younger siblings that drive me nuts. Then there's literally no common sense. There's nothing stopping uh, that clinic from providing a sterilization procedure on an eight-year-old or you have a nine or 10-year-old that they decide, well, this week, I think I want to be a girl instead of a boy. And so they go and they want to have a gender, uh, you know, sex change operation. 
there's literally nothing that you could do about it if this gets passed because it is a procedure, a procedure, a surgery that is related to uh, the topic of pregnancy. I mean, if you're having a sex change operation, that goes to the fundamental of, of, you know, your reproductive organs, right? So I, it's, I don't even have words sometimes for it. It's just, it's disgusting. And extreme. I'm really, yeah. It Go is. ahead, it's Ryan. That, it's, that, it's that extreme. You're, you're absolutely right, Catherine. And, um, you know, that's, that's the theme right now across America here in Michigan, right? Um, you know, pushing this, this leftist agenda, uh, removing parental rights, uh, so the state can take care of more of, of the children's needs, the next generation's needs. And you know, who else did that is, uh, uh China, communist China. Uh, and so my question here too, and I only have a couple more minutes here. I got at the top of the hour, I have a, another, um, call I got to be on. So, you know, my question is when we see something this radical, like for someone to write this, I mean, how radical this really is, um, what's next? When, when do these things become forced? Like they were in China where you're only allowed to have two children, any other children, what happens to that? When do forced abortions happen? All these sterilizations that are happening, when is it going to be forced sterilization? If we allow things like this to pass, so, I mean, this is just, you know, in my eyes, this is just the tip of the iceberg of where people want to go with this, the, this radical leftist ideologies. And the sad part is, Catherine, you know, I've been seeing some of the marketing that's coming out on this from the other side. And it's just, you know, don't let the government interfere with doctor repatient relationships. Vote yes on proposal three. And people, you know, people on the other end, they're like, yeah, don't let the doctors interfere with patient and doctor relationships. Well, how about vaccines for that? That's a story for another another call, right? But, you know, or the other thing is, you know, codify Roe versus Wade, you know, protect a woman's right to choose. Uh, and, and people are going to look at that and they're not going to understand what this means uh, and so, you know, that's why we've been trying to put together some of this literature. People can go on to michigansaysno.com and they can find just a couple of real high level talking points about this. Uh, talking about the loss of parental rights and the protection of late term abortions with this is really the key things to talk about. Uh, now's not the time to have a pro-life conversation and try to tell people, you know, life starts at conception or, you know, every life's a gift from God. And that whole side of the conversation, we have to preserve the ability to even talk about basic biological science of when life begins by defeating this proposal and talking about those, those extreme measures. And one thing that regardless of where you fall on the pro-abortion, anti-abortion, uh, no matter where you fall on that spectrum, unless you're, you know, real far left, like, yeah, we just want to kill babies or whatever. Uh, the loss of parental rights is really affecting everyone. I've met several people, you know, here's a quote for you. It's not verbatim. I'd have to look what they said. But, you know, I signed the reproductive freedom for all petition, but it was never explained to me that parents would lose rights. I thought I was signing for the for the right to a woman to choose. Now that I know the truth, I'm not voting for this. I want something common sense that lets parents keep their rights. I've seen a ton of those different quotes. And so, you know, that's what I'm hoping that will speak volumes on November 8th is the, the reasonable common sense people that say, no way we're going to let this pass and become the most extreme, uh, non-restrictive abortion state 
worse than California and America, really the most extreme in the entire world. Yeah, and uh, I guess one last kind of thought to to capture on something that you said. You're you're saying that one of the the viewpoints from the other side that they're saying is, well, you know, don't let the state get in between a doctor and and the woman in, in this discussion. The thing is, the way this is worded, it's not talking about physicians. It's not talking about doctors. Yeah. It's literally saying an attending healthcare professional. That means someone who say works at Planned Parenthood and puts on, you know, a little badge that says, I work here. That's all. They literally need no training. They need no, you know, education. They need nothing. So when you're talking about, you know, we have some comments in the, the YouTube side of things right now talking about licensing and registration that doesn't fix things. I just, it's it's not something I'm saying we, we want. I'm saying uh, licensing and registration and all, you know, all that kind of stuff is not what's going to uh, fix this problem. But we need to realize that when people are talking about, oh, well, don't get in between a, a woman and her doctor on this topic, this they're saying you don't need a doctor. You don't have to have somebody, you know, a doctor with admitting privileges at a hospital. You don't have to have somebody who's licensed or educated in any kind of medical procedures whatsoever. They don't even have to know CPR or first aid. And they can perform, you know, perform these procedures on people. So when we're talking about, well, you know, now that Roe v. Wade fell and there's going to be women in back alleys with, you know, hangers and the whole abortion, you know, it's unsafe abortions. That's exactly what they created here, because this is saying, well, you know, you walk in and you pay money and you do whatever and you think, OK, well, I've scheduled an appointment. It's a professional facility. How do you know they're not doing something akin to using a coat hanger? to you know scrape out your uterus to perform this abortion because there's not going to be any ounce of regulation on it whatsoever so right. i don't know i just that's disgusting but uh you're a, you're a busy guy ryan so we definitely appreciate your thoughts and your um you know concerns about it and we're right there with you we're going to try to get the word out as much as possible about this Good. but i appreciate and and i want you guys to hear ryan what he's saying Ryan's not saying he's not pro-life. Ryan was the strongest on the pro-life issues in the Republican uh, on the Republican ticket for the the primary uh, election in August for the race for governor. But uh, what he's saying is this isn't the time to focus on that because that's what the left wants. The left wants you to focus on oh it's abortion or not abortion. And that's it. But that, there's so much else that's in here that we can win over all those people on the left that right. uh, just don't realize what's packed into this um, this horrible thing. So anyway, let's make the focus on something that we can win and then we can begin that discussion like Ryan was saying on the actual abortion right. issue. That's it. So when thank you, you so uh, much. When you cover proposal two, have me back on again. Uh, we'll have some good talking points there on the proposal two because that's just as extreme as this, just not as much of an emotional driver uh, and like I mentioned before, I think proposal two is even more dangerous in the long run than proposal three, because if proposal two passes and proposal three doesn't, we'll just do proposal three again and, and it'll pass that time no matter what. So anyways, I got to run. Thank you so much, Catherine. Always good to see you. Uh, just uh, message me whenever you want to have me back on again. I'll look forward to it. Sounds good. And please tell your beautiful wife that I said hello. 100% will do. Have a good day. Thanks. Yeah, you too. All right, everyone. So uh, that was it made the conversation a little disjointed because I wanted to grab on to that conversation with Ryan while he was available today. Uh, but what I want to do is give you um, basically 
make this full hour or plus um, a constitution segment recap, basically the highlights of what the scariest pieces of this are in, in what we talked about last week. So um, what I want to do though first is to actually, you know, I'm going to take the, what is it going to take me? Two minutes, um, maybe three minutes at the most to read to you what this is. So all you will see, and this is the part I was starting to hammer on right before Ryan joined us. Uh, what, Regardless of what state you're in, I'm assuming because I have not double checked the laws on all the specifics for all 50 states or, or DC. But when you have a petition, uh, a ballot proposal that's making it to the ballot, and it's going to be something that your state will vote on, uh, usually in the November elections, but sometimes it's in a May or August or whatever. When you have that, uh, in, in at least in the state of Michigan, as well as states that would be like it, the whole petition doesn't make it on the ballot. Rather, it's uh, a summary, an official summary that is, that's what's printed. And I forget the number of characters, but in Michigan, I want to say it's a 100 word summary. I believe it's a 100 word summary. That's the max that you're allowed. Depending on the type of petition, you might write it or the state Bureau of Elections might write it. But at any rate, it's that's all that a voter sees when they go in there. And that's typically all the voter sees when they're given any material ahead of time, like, well, in signing the petition to even get it on the ballot. Uh, but any other pre-election information or materials or flyers generally if they have any specific wording, they typically only have that summary. Why is that so important? Well, because the summary does not capture it all. I mean, it's a summary for a reason. In this situation, it's a very misleading summary. So uh, let me back up and get to that. Where, of course, I didn't number my pages here. But uh, the description, excuse me, the summary says, that it's a constitutional amendment to establish new individual right to reproductive freedom, new individual right to reproductive freedom, including right to make and carry out all decisions about pregnancy, such as prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care. That means whether you care for a baby once they've already been born, contraception, sterilization, abortion, miscarriage management, and infertility, allow state to prohibit abortion after fe fetal viability unless needed to protect a patient's life or physical or mental health. And that's not even completely true in the summary, but I'll go on. Forbid state discrimination in enforcement of this right. Prohibit prosecution of an individual or a person helping a pregnant individual for exercising rights established by this amendment and invalidate all state laws that conflict with this amendment. That is just the summary. Now, it'll take me maybe all of one and a half minutes to uh, read to you the actual language of this petition. So it the full text, if this gets through, even though it's a few pages long, the actual petition, the actual text that is added to this, let me back up and say, there's no text that's being changed or deleted from the Michigan State Constitution if this passes. The only thing that is being done to the actual wording of the Constitution is adding uh, what would be Article 1, Section 28, and they're calling it right to reproductive freedom. 
So that's what I'm going to read to you. But I did have questions that came in about the other aspects later on down in the petition. And we're going to explain what that is. But those, the parts that are down below in that petition are not actual changes to the wording of the Constitution at all. They're not deletions. They're not additions. So we're going to go over that in a minute. But the wording of this petition literally says, these are the words that would be added. Every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including but not limited to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. An individual's right to reproductive freedom shall not be denied, burdened or nor infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest achieved by the least restrictive means. Notwithstanding the above, the state may regulate the provision of abortion care after fetal viability, which they change the definition of later on, provided that in no circumstance shall the state prohibit an, abor an abortion that in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional is medically indicated to protect the life or physical or mental health of a pregnant individual. The state shall not discriminate in the protection or enforcement of this fundamental right. The state shall not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against an individual based on their actual, potential, perceived, or alleged pregnancy outcomes, including, but not limited to, miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion. Nor shall the state penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual in exercising their right to reproductive freedom with their voluntary consent. And there's just a few small portions left that I'm going to read, but this is where things kind of, the rubber hits the road. For purposes of this section or this amendment, a state interest is compelling only if it if it is for the limited purpose of protecting the health of the individual seeking care. Consistent with accepted clinical standards of practice and evidence-based medicine and does not infringe on that individual's autonomous decision-making. So no compelling interest can override that person's autonomous decision-making. So the government can't regulate anything about abortion at all. Even though they said earlier, it sounds like you can. What's worse is that um, they add the definition fetal viability. So they're changing what fetal viability is. Fetal viability is literally uh, the ability of the baby to survive outside of the womb, period. But listen what they do here. Fetal viability means the point in pregnancy when, in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional, that could be a Planned Parenthood custodian, okay? This does not have to be a doctor or anyone licensed or educated in medicine whatsoever. But when in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional and based on the particular facts of the case, there is a significant likelihood of the fetus's sustained survival outside of the uterus without the application of extraordinary medical measures.
So you can have an abortion of a baby they're considering pre-viable. That's a given. They're claiming up here in the top portion that you, while the state can regulate um, abortion or prohibit it after viability, but two big buts there. One is they're saying uh, viability is not just the ability of the baby to survive outside of the womb. No, now in the opinion of someone totally untrained and uneducated in medical anything whatsoever, if that person has determined that this baby does not have a significant likelihood of sustained survival, okay, they're adding tons of nuances to this, outside of the uterus without application of extraordinary medical measures. So if you have a baby whose lungs are not fully developed and they need a, a ventilator, or if you have a baby, I don't even, that doesn't even dis, um, discern or tell us what extraordinary medical measures are, but they're saying no medical measures, basically. If you have to do something to help that baby survive, other than feeding it and changing it, well, then that's not viable. That's not what we're defining as viability. So they're saying you can have a pre-viable abortion. You can kill a baby that's pre-viable all day long. No questions asked. And there's this guise of being able to prohibit the um, post-viability or, you know, viable unborn babies. But um, number one, you have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops to even call that baby viable anymore. Number two, if the baby is viable, if it's, if you're 39 and a half weeks pregnant and you could go into labor at any second, if you're in labor and you have decided, you know what, your mental health is just not where it should be. You need to have this abortion to save your mental health. And that is only in the professional judgment of this person that's working there, this um, healthcare professional. Could be a Planned Parenthood, you know, intern. If they have a name badge and they're dressed up and they, you know, wear that button-down shirt, they are a healthcare professional. No licensing or education in the medical field needed. So if that person determines that a pregnant woman's mental health requires the abortion, even of a child who's literally on the way out of the birth canal, that's okay. You can kill that baby too. Um, so, I mean, it's, and, and postpartum care. You can, you can actually murder a baby once they're already born if the post, in the postpartum care of the mother, then the mental health is just not okay. So, you know, you need to just kill that baby, abort the baby after they've been born. That is what this petition allows. I just read to you, by the way, all, oh, there's one. One sentence, I two sentences I, I failed to read. This section shall be self-executing. Any provision of this section held invalid shall be severable from the remaining provisions of this section. So they're trying to say, well, if one part's not valid, then all the rest of it still exists. 
That's a terrible way to do things anyway. But uh, that's it. That's the entirety. Now let's answer some of those questions about what, um, you know, what's the rest of the wording? Well, as we pointed out last week, uh, and I have a, um, one of the links that we shared on Friday was a document where I highlighted all the parts that aren't changing the wording of those parts of the constitution is not changing or being deleted, but it's being affected. How it's implemented is changing. What it means is changing. Uh, in addition to all the parts that they didn't mention, those will be impacted as well. But we had people asking about Section 5, for example, excuse me, um, Article uh, Article 5 and Section 1. It's asking about executive power, except to the extent limited or abrogated by Article 5, Section 2, or Article 4, Section 6, the executive power is vested in the governor. So I had people asking about, let's see, what were their exact questions? Um, section five gives away our rights and freedoms to the governor. Um, would it give governmental executive power to control people in general or in a health emergency? Uh, if the, if this passes, um, and at any point, you know, for monkeypox or whatever, could a governor claim executive powers as written into this? I want to be very clear. None of the parts that are in the, that bottom portion of the page Nothing from here down or here, page two or the bottom half of page one. None of that is actually changing the Constitution. The words are still there. They're not being deleted or modified. The meaning behind them and how they will apply is what's changing. So as far as executive power, there's nothing changing the executive power. The only thing I think that they're really focusing on, and we, we touched on this last week, is that the executive power, the legislative power, this is saying that even the judicial power is um, talked about in here, that, that no branch of government would be able to make, enforce, or interpret any laws that restrict this right to abortion or sterilization or whatever. That's why they put that in here. That's so yes, the governor has the right to enforce the laws or to sign, you know, a bill and then it becomes a law in the state of Michigan. But that part is not changing. It's just that they're saying, well, uh, if a bill hits your desk and it has the legislators, you know, proper number of votes and it's, attempting to undo this petition in some way, you don't have the authority to sign that bill as, as the chief executive officer of the state. That's what they're getting at there. So hopefully I've cleared that point up. Um, is it more, it, uh, is there more to think about in this proposal than just a woman's right to abortion? Yes. Hopefully we've covered that, but let's, uh, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, there were questions about the amount of grammatical errors that are in there. It's insane. Literally should not be allowed. Spelling, grammatical, whatever, 22, 23 words literally stuck together with no spaces in them. That's why in the, some of the resources I shared with you on Friday in our Freedom Fighting Tools, which I could do by post and not by video, so that worked out great. I was at least able to get those out. 
But those I had to, I had to spend hours on my computer configuring things and working it up because they don't share a PDF that you can highlight or copy or paste out of. And the document itself is so full of errors that I had to do a bunch of magic to it and spend hours to get it to a point where it could convert as OCR uh, and not be a locked document. And then I could copy and paste it into a regular document and then just modify change all the spelling errors, put spaces in where they need to be, uh, put correct punctuation and that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't change any of the, you know, the words, uh, you know, or spelling of the words, things like that. But just to be able to make it not gobbledygook, uh, I had to put a lot of work into that. So should that make it even to the ballot? No, absolutely not. But unfortunately, the Supreme Court doesn't have common sense and they've decided to allow it to go on through to the ballot. Uh, can this petition be changed before the election and how? No, this petition cannot be changed at all. It is what it is. So if somebody, for example, wants to secure abortion rights, so to speak, uh, but they don't like the loss of parental rights in this, then there's no way to change that. You can't modify it. You can't do anything to it. The bill, excuse me, the amendment as it is, is what's going to make it uh, onto um, in as part of the Constitution, that's what's going to be on the election. Uh, we had a question: Couldn't this petition be considered treason by the judge, uh, the judges who, the justices who approved of it, by the people who drafted it? Um, I would say so in a variety of ways, but that's kind of getting into um, a whole other rabbit trail, right? So, anyway, uh, what I didn't do at the beginning that I wanted to do, but with all of our technical difficulties, I totally forgot and I was essentially winging it. First of all, I wanted to give you the, um, well, let me, let me do this. So we have, this is a, a Q and A. Uh, I want you guys to be able to ask any questions that you have about it. And, um, Lori, can you unmute and tell me, um, I just need you to unmute so you can answer me, <laughs> uh, just verbally. Um, I, I was having there, a little bit of lag on my side. Sorry, what were you saying? Um, I'm just wondering, because there's quite a few comments um, so far, it's hard for me to see. Um, are there questions that are lingering about, specifically about this petition that we'll need to answer that came in today? Oh, and Lori's gone. Okay, well, Lori can, um, uh, Lori will hopefully be able to jump back in and, and share that with me. But in the meantime, All right, well, I'm gonna, I don't know if I have to do anything here. Okay, are you there, Lori? Yeah, just booted me out. Um, I threw one up because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get in. Um, could any of the parties appeal the decision allowing it to be on the ballot? Um, At this point, no, I don't think there would be. I mean, technically as of Monday, yesterday, the US Supreme Court was back in session but they would not be acting on it before November. Um, okay. they're, even their speedy docket, I don't think, would take this on. Um, so I don't know. I there's no and in the state, it this was the U.S. or excuse me, the Michigan Supreme Court that decided this. There's no way to appeal as far as state matters go. You don't appeal any higher than that. If you want to challenge the unconstitutionality of this. Uh, you know, into the U.S. Supreme Court. I, honestly, I think it would be 
I think they would say, without any doubt, I really don't have a doubt they would say this, they would say it's premature, that if the measure passes, then you could start challenging how it violates the U.S. Constitution. But you can't do that before. I don't I don't think they would allow any case to make it in before. And that's the U.S. Supreme Court I'm talking about. That would make sense then. It was just something that crossed my mind. So I thought somebody else might have that question. So, um, so what I wanted to do is um, ask you guys this. This is our true or false question that was posted this morning. Under Proposal 3, which is this proposal to amend the Michigan Constitution in November 2022, viable unborn babies and born babies can be aborted at will. Now, our answer, of course, will be posted uh, everywhere where we have the question posted uh, tonight at 10 p.m. But at this point, I would think you guys can come up with that. I'll just kind of let that uh, linger out there for a minute. What I wanted to do last week, I had a piece of news that I had seen just, it was an article that had just come out that morning um, talking about that elderly woman that was shot in September in Lake Odessa, Michigan, while she was campaigning against the pro-abortion ballot proposal. And uh, the, the news update that I have is that a man was arrested in connection with that shooting and he's being prosecuted for that crime. So it's a piece of good news anyway. I don't have any other details about that, but at least wanted to give you that piece of good news. Um, and again, I just wanted to kind of, I don't know, focus on the ACLU of Michigan director. One of the things that they said was that the Michigan Supreme, excuse me, the U.S. Supreme Court's overturn of Roe v. Wade will not take away the rights and freedoms of people in Michigan to determine if and when they become a parent. So again, that's just that's not language of the of the petition. That's just their statement about it. That was the ACLU of Michigan director saying that, but. It's literally saying whether you can parent. They're saying, sure, you could become a parent if you want. You can have offspring if you want or not. But what you do once that baby is born, that decision is not yours. If you want to raise your child with your um, you know, Christian beliefs, for example, if you want to keep that child protected from walking into a sterilization clinic to be sterilized by not medically trained staff, if you want to prohibit or protect your child from receiving any kind of contraception at any age or um, an abortion or uh, a sex change operation or anything like that, if you want to protect your child from that, you can't. You can't exercise those fundamental rights as a parent. Uh, so it's ironic that they're saying this is, you know, about, you know, choosing whether you want to become a parent or not. Um, so just to recap for you guys, first of all, again, thank you to those who uh, jumped on this impromptu connection that we have now. I couldn't get the other program to work based on, you know, the fact that I'm running off of my hotspot on my phone because Hurricane Ian not only wiped out our power, uh, but also our internet, and that is not restored just yet, like our power was a couple nights ago. But um, 
I want to reiterate as well that this topic is far too important to just leave with that long episode we had last week. Uh, and, you know, it's probably a blessing in disguise. I wasn't able to really focus on a Constitution segment recap last week because it really forced this conversation to continue in full this week. And it's important because not only does this rep reproductive freedom for all ballot proposal violate, blatantly violate the U.S. Constitution, but it also allows abortion on demand of babies unborn and born, prohibits licensing or regulation of any kind of abortion, sterilization, sex changes, infertility care. So even the people that want these things available to them, they're wanting them because they're thinking it's safe. They're not advocating for unsafe procedures. They're not wanting unsafe procedures, but they don't realize what they'll be getting if this passes. This uh, amendment prohibits us from protecting children from having sterilizations or sex change procedures, using contraceptives, having abortions. Even you can't protect your child from having sex with pedophiles with this petition, with this language. And it allows parents to abandon their children, but also it requires us, it requires society to pay for all of this. That's why all the parts in here, it's not in the language of the petition. That's where they are saying, oh, well, we're changing this part of the petition that's talking about appropriations bills and this part of the petition that's talking about the governor's ability to sign appropriations uh, bills, uh, where we're uh, the, the section on payments from the state treasury or um, uh, appropriation in terms of public officers and employment. All of that to say they are fully intending on the state paying for all of these things to be done. Hey, Catherine. So, yeah. Does that then mean also that a mother that has a handful of children needing state aid, they couldn't restrict, she could be working, making money, and right now the format would be you get so much based on your income. Well, if they can't restrict anything to do with this, then they would have to just cover it all is that i mean so that would be the health care the um after the baby i mean what expenses all that entails aside from just medicaid the food stamps you know whatever there's i mean literally the that i i didn't even really jump into that mentally but the costs of of providing the abortions and sterilizations, the cost of sex changes, the cost of infertility care, the cost of contraceptives, uh, any of that. It's all supposed to be paid for now by the state, by the taxpayers. Um, so how far that goes, I guess, I don't know. It's how far they plan on pushing that point. But um, 
So I just want to reiterate the petition language that would be added is only 321 words. So that's actually not a lot considering the amendments that have been passed in recent years, especially. Um, so it's, it's a little over 2,200 characters after being fixed. Um, but it, the, the portion that you see on your uh, ballot in November is not the actual language that will make it into the Constitution. That's just the summary. Misleading uh, as it is, that is the official summary. And all those portions, like I mentioned, from uh, the bottom half of this first page, uh, all of the second page of the petition, all of those are what they are acknowledging uh, are parts of the current Michigan Constitution that would be impacted in some way by this passing, but they don't talk about the, um, you know, the impact on freedom of worship and religious belief, Article 1, Section 4 of the Michigan Constitution, unreasonable searches and seizures being impacted, which we talked about more in depth last week, Article 1, Section 11, or Article 1, Section 17, due process of law. It literally says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, yet we're saying you can go ahead and murder the unborn and Babies that have already come out of the womb, you can murder them too uh, with this lovely gem. Um, and uh, section one, article eight, section one of the Michigan Constitution that says religion, morality, and knowledge are necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind. Well, that's clearly being thrown out the window. So um, like I said, our question of the week for today, uh, today's true or false Tuesday question. Under Proposal 3, the proposal to amend the Michigan Constitution in November of 2022, viable unborn babies and already born babies can be so-called aborted at will. True or false? I encourage you to go out to... Um, uh, our social media platforms where we have that posted. You can go to our website, uh, restorefreedomkh.com and the updates tab. You can answer the poll on uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Truth Social, um, Telegram, and maybe a couple more that I'm not remembering, any of those platforms that offer that function anyway. Uh, so please make sure to do that. We actually got quite a bit of participation last week on the first question that we were asking. Uh, but today, please make sure to go and answer that. And I'll give you the cheat, which is, well, the answer. The answer is true, unfortunately, that under Proposal 3 uh, in Michigan, on the ballot this November, next month already, viable unborn babies and already born babies can be so-called aborted at will. It's disgusting. Uh, and not not even the, wor the worst of it, I would say, uh, with all that this petition has. So remember, this is not, even if you are on the side of uh, arguing that you're, you know, you're pro-choice, that's, that could be a topic for a different day. Just look at the rest of what this petition has. This is saying uh, that there's never, you, you have, it's prohibiting any kind of licensing or regulating of abortion, sterilization, sex changes, or infertility care. You're not going to be safe getting any of those procedures in Michigan. 
It prohibits protecting our children from having sterilizations or sex change procedures, contraceptives, abortions, sex with pedophiles at any age, any age. There's no age limitation on this. It allows parents to literally physically abandon their children, to neglect their children. Abuse and neglect cases won't even be a thing because you can choose that you just don't want to be a parent. And it requires society to pay for all of this. So please make sure to spread the word about it. Um, and somebody was asking, um, what was the post that I referred to on last Friday? Where do you see it, find it, etc.? cetera? Um, <clears throat> somebody was asking that on YouTube. So just to kind of let you know, uh, we do a, a Monday video. That's the start of our week. Uh, so this is week number 40. We did um, a Monday video where it's not me video. It's a slideshow, but I do the audio. It's a 60 second commercial essentially. So you know what today's topic is going to be about. Then we do our true or false question. And that gets put onto, uh, um, well, give me a second here. I have to look at my cheat sheet because I don't know anymore. Uh, when everything's working, that goes on to my, my personal Facebook profile. That goes on to our Facebook page, Restore Freedom with Catherine Henry. That goes on to uh, LinkedIn profile. That goes on to Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, uh, our Podbean podcasting platform, as well as um, all of those other uh, main podcasting uh, platforms. Tuesday, we have that true or false question that is posted as a poll on any social media that we're a part of that offers polls. So LinkedIn, Telegram, Twitter, Truth Social, YouTube in the community section. You can go to my YouTube community page uh, as well as um, on WordPress. The video itself is when all is working properly is going on live streaming on Rumble, DLive, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. It gets posted um, afterwards on Tumblr and Blogger. It also gets uploaded to Podbean and goes then out to Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, uh, um, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon, you name it. Um, and uh, we do a post. If you go to my website on the updates tab, you can see the post afterwards that will give you the links to the show. And uh, we haven't backdated that and made sure all of our prior episodes have a post about them so you can find the links and click them to watch the, the prior videos. But we will be doing that now that we have this new website up and running. But um, the Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge and uh, the Friday. Uh, freedom Fighting Tools, that's the part you were asking about on YouTube, and the Sunday Biblical Insight. Those ones are not a video anymore. Those will not be a video. Those are just posts. And so obviously a place like Twitch uh, isn't going to have, you know, DLive, Rumble, you, you can't make posts. It's just the videos. Uh, same with TikTok, right? So uh, for Wednesday's Way to Get Involved Challenge, Friday Freedom Fighting Tools, and the Sunday Biblical Insight, those that are just word posts with links or pictures or whatnot, uh, those are posted onto um, our parlor, uh, YouTube community, uh, Truth Social, 
Telegram, Blogger, Discord, of course, our website. Uh, you can go to the easiest way is just go to our website, RestoreFreedomKH.com. Go to that updates tab, and then you can see all of the posts that we've made. And you can even search for Freedom Fighting Tools, or you can search for uh, the Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge. So if you're looking specifically for those documents and those tools I shared on Friday, the easiest way to tell you is just go to our page and look for that post from the Freedom Fighting Tools from Friday. Um, going forward, though, you can find those, like I said, on Parler, uh, LinkedIn, um, uh, Truth Social, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, YouTube community, uh, Facebook, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but um, Blogger, Discord, oh, there's more. I don't remember them all. But anyway, Tumblr, uh, those are where you can find that information. So, um, all right. Lori, were there any other questions that we failed to address? Because otherwise, I think we have covered what we set out to cover today. I think we covered everything. I didn't see anything new come in, so. Sweet. All right, everyone. Uh, I believe we're covered. Awesome. Thank you so much to Ryan for joining us today. Uh, hopefully he was able to enjoy his next uh, meeting or call that he had to attend to. Of course, I think uh, Liberty Lori, who is the... Um, uh, now, Lori, she must have been having a really awesome hair day today and didn't want to make me feel bad. So she didn't come on the show uh, in video, but uh, maybe next week she'll be she'll be back with us in video. Uh, hopefully by our Thursday Constitution segment, I will be able to do a video out by 5 p.m. to uh, go over those Constitution segment recaps. But we will see depending on the technology. So bear with me while we're still dealing with the Hurricane Ian ramifications. But uh, thank goodness that our our safety is, you know, was kept intact and my family in the various parts of Florida, uh, they're safe. Uh, some some issues on homes, but nothing substantial other than lack of power, water, internet, those kinds of things at this point. So um, thank you to all of you. And please be looking for all of those segment posts throughout the week and those videos like we talked about. And uh, we will have some new stuff in store for you very soon. Also, make sure to sign up for our newsletter, our Restore Freedom Weekly Newsletter. It will typically go out on Sundays now that we have uh, some of those uh, things connected, better connected and, and um, automated to a certain degree. So it's cost taking me um, less time to get those out. But uh, also thank you for joining us today, just being here, commenting, asking questions, sharing your concerns, your thoughts, uh, information or things that you've heard that you just want to pass along to others. We appreciate that. Uh, for those of you that were able to do that live today on uh, Facebook and YouTube. And um, again, please make sure that you are also uh, checking out the podcast audio versions that we have in case you ever just want to listen to these topics again. So find us on your favorite podcasting platform. Of course, you're looking for Restore Freedom 
or even Catherine Henry. And you should be able to find me on any podcasting platform. So without any further ado, I thank you for joining us. I wish you a wonderful afternoon and some warmth if you're in the northern part of the country already starting to get that winter cold. Uh, but thank you so much and have a wonderful day.